1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And the driving jam time! And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com Comeback pattern
0: caught! Touchdown! Kansas
3: City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. It's 10.06 Stiefel Sports Studio with producer Drew Young. Thank you, Scott Jago. I'm Tom Ackerman. Two hours of sports to get to. A lot of it good, some of it bad. The Blues fell apart yesterday. We'll get into that. Mizzou wins. At South Carolina, Illinois looks dominating right now. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country. We will back that up with their rankings coming up here in just a moment. And... There is a lot to discuss in the area of soccer and college basketball. Travis Ford, Bill McDermott. This hour, next hour, John Mozalock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations as officially, Nolan Arenado, is with the club. He is staying with them. He will not opt out. He will remain in his deal five years left on it. We'll talk to Mo about that, but as you know, a lot more to come for the Cardinals, or at least you're hoping that a lot more is to come for the Cardinals in this offseason. We will talk to Mo about that very topic. Hi, everybody. Latest development is that, and I hope this is the most anticlimactic announcement of all time, that the XFL is going to announce its team names tomorrow morning at 7. If it's not Battlehawks, something is wrong. I don't know what else it would be. (laughs) I mean, what in the world? This is, you know, you knew the XFL was going to, do this all at once. They did a live streaming when all the cities were announced and we knew St. Louis was going to be one of those. I mean, how? where else would they go? Uh, St. Louis was the number one uh, in terms of attendance and gear and all of that stuff, we know that the state of Texas is a big football state and the XFL is kind of centered there right now, and The Rock is in charge of it and they're controlling a lot of these announcements. But it is exciting nonetheless. I mean, you're going to have football in downtown St. Louis at the Dome, and now you're going to have a name, and if it's not Battlehawks, I'll be stunned. But we'll have it on Total Information AM tomorrow at 7. And then the coach, Anthony Becht, is going to join us tomorrow at 9 20 uh, on Total Information AM. So looking forward to that. Football. Yes, there is excitement in Columbia, Missouri, not Columbia, South Carolina, as the Tigers won. And in Champaign, Illinois fans have to be very, very happy. I do want to start real quick with what's happened in the World Series. I know that this is the best baseball town on the planet and people are still paying attention. And they are noting that the Philadelphia Phillies look good. Now, they lost yesterday to the Astros five to two. They scored once in the seventh, once in the ninth. But there is a party about to get underway in Philadelphia this week. It starts tomorrow night, Halloween night, and the Phillies will be ready to roll. They're taking on a very good Astros team. We saw that last night, a 5-2 win for the Astros. Again, they jump out to a 5-0 lead, and this time they hold it as... Frommer Valdez made a five-run lead stand up. Houston's lightning first-inning burst. Alex Bregman with a home run. That place gets rocking, doesn't it, Minute Maid Park? Just like in game one, the Astros were up five-zip, but unlike Justin Verlander, their ace who was not good in game one, Valdez and Houston held on. Valdez deserves a lot of credit here. He rebounded from a pair of poor outings in last year's series. He pitched shutout ball into the seventh. The bullpen survived a couple of jams. They closed it out. Jose Altuve finally got it going. He doubled. Jeremy Pena, Jordan Alvarez, they both doubled. And Houston took a two-run lead, four pitches in against Zach Wheeler. So Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola... Get roughed up a little bit. An error allowed another run in the first to score. Bregman added a two-run homer in the fifth, and the win for Houston evens this series at a game apiece. Now it gets interesting. You think Minute Maid Park was rocking? You wait till you see Citizens Bank Ballpark tomorrow. That place will be off the charts. It'll be trembling. It's going to be Halloween. Those people are crazy to begin with, and I say with all due respect. I'm married to someone who grew up in Philadelphia, uh, my beautiful wife, Angie. This is going to be nuts. Now, they're going to have Thor on the mound on top of all that. Uh, Noah Syndergaard (laughs) is the starting pitcher. On the other side, uh, they're going with Lance McCullers Jr. for Houston. He's going to have a challenge on his hands at 7.03, I believe. I think that place is a home run ballpark. Those guys are going to be just champing at the bit to hammer away At McCullers, we'll see. Uh, But I I still think the Phillies are in a very, very good position here. They split the first two. It's exactly what they needed to do in Houston. It would have been asking a lot to have them go up to uh, 1-1s all they needed. Now they can get it going here at home against the Astros. They are a severe underdog. I don't know many people who picked the Phillies, but I think that if you've been paying attention, and Cardinals fans have, the Phillies have that look to them. We've seen it before. In the 11 Cardinals, we saw it in the 06 Cardinals. You get hot in the postseason, you can do it. And we saw it right in front of our eyes. You know, if, if the Cardinals hold on to that win in game one and they get Hellsley Helsley out of there or you know a number of other things happen, maybe, but the Cardinals' bats were totally silent in game two. And I know it's a short series, but think about this. If it was a division series, and you're down 0-2, and the series keeps going. Then you got to go to Philadelphia. I mean, they were they were in trouble either way. Uh, the Phillies were just better, and it's it's a shame. But the Cardinals have to figure out a way to get that in a, get themselves in a better position for the postseason. And we'll talk to John Mozaylock about that coming up at 11:30. All right. So for Mizzou, the Tigers looked. Great yesterday, and uh, I've been tough on them. I know a lot of people have. Uh, the game against Vanderbilt was bad, uh, really bad, and they won. Uh, but Mizzou is now at 500. And now you go back and you look at the Georgia game and the Auburn game, uh, and you just wonder what could have been the Florida game. You know, th- this Mizzou team, the defense has been strong enough to compete. Uh, they lost to Auburn 17-14. They lost to Georgia 26-22. They lost to Florida 24-17. There's a common theme here. The defense was good and the offense was dreadful. The offense was dreadful at Kansas State, uh, losing 40-12. to Get the ball in the hands of Luther Burden, for goodness sakes. And what happened yesterday? Well, Mizzou got the ball in the hands of Burden somewhat. Uh, two carries for 10 yards, two catches for five yards. Now, Brady Cook got off to a great start, a 96-yard drive right out of the gate, and Mizzou took control of the game and then gave the defense a lead, and they shut down the number 25 team in the country. South Carolina loses the game by a final of 23-10. to Missouri was very strong yesterday, and hats off to Eli Drinkowitz and his staff for doing the job. Now they have Kentucky at home. Kentucky got just thrown around by Tennessee yesterday, and they have Tennessee after that following a battle that Tennessee will have at Georgia this weekend. Then they have New Mexico State, which I know you've circled as a win. I don't see why not. New Mexico State's 3-5. and And then they have the game against Arkansas that is always – A big rivalry game, but they've got to show up against a good Arkansas team. Is it possible that they could become bowl eligible? Sure, it is possible, but it is still a challenge. Three of those four are going to be very, very hard to win, but they'll have to find a way starting this Saturday against Kentucky. Now, for Illinois, things are a lot different. Illinois lost to Indiana to start the year. Uh, After beating Wyoming soundly 38 to 6. But their first big challenge was on the road at Indiana and they lost it 23 20. If you watch that game, and I did, Illinois was the better team all game. And this is coming from an IU alum. I went to Indiana. Illinois was the better team the entire game and somehow lost the game on the final drive. They had a, a TD, a blown call. They had calls go against them. So did IU. But Illinois could not close the deal. Since then, they have absolutely closed the deal. With the exception of a tight game against Iowa, 9-6, in which they shut down Iowa. They have won 24-3, 31-0, 34-10, 9-6, 26-14, and 26-9 against Nebraska on the road. Folks, this is dominating defense. Absolutely dominating. They beat Wisconsin 34-10. But Illinois is doing what Brett Bielema has done for years. They have built a foundation of physical football. They run the football, and then they rough you up at the line of scrimmage, and they make it difficult for you. And the numbers don't lie. Illinois has the number one scoring defense in the country. This is among all of the uh, FBS teams, 131 of them. Number one scoring defense in the country. They're number one in the country in interceptions. They're number one in the country in pass efficiency defense. These are all from my friend Jeremy Werner, who uh, uh, I have known. He's uh, IlliniInquirer.com. I've followed him on Twitter for years and admired his work. I wouldn't say we're friends necessarily. We're just, you know, he's uh, someone that I admire in the the business. Uh, Number two rushing defense in the country, Illinois. Number two passing defense in the country, Illinois. And they are number 14 in the country in sacks. And Jeremy notes that their passing efficiency defense, which is 77.9, is the best in the country. And the next closest is Michigan at 101.3. That's how good Illinois has been. Now, if you are scoffing at this and you say they haven't played anybody yet, they did play at Wisconsin. Granted, Wisconsin is down. Uh, they did play Iowa. Granted, Iowa's defense stink, uh, offense stinks. Uh, they did play a Minnesota team that was hot, and they silenced that, and now they've beaten Nebraska on the road. Now it gets tough. They're going to play Michigan State at home. They'll play Purdue, a team that is five and 5-3, and a team that can flat score if you're not careful. And then they have the date at Michigan that we've been circling for a while on November 19th. Can Illinois do this? Can they get into any sort of discussion about a playoff. It sounds far-fetched when you think about it because of all the teams that are ahead of them, but if you're Illinois, just win games and deal with that later. I seriously doubt they'll be discussed as a playoff team, but they are number 17 in the country. They just whipped Nebraska's rear end, and there's they're going to move up. So it really does have to do with the teams in front of them, and there are a lot, unfortunately. Now, Penn State... Got their tails whipped by Ohio State late, and they're now six and two and three and two in the Big Ten. Illinois seven and one and four and one in the Big Ten. Do they leapfrog Penn State? They absolutely should. Uh, Syracuse is now six and two and three and one overall after getting whipped at home by Notre Dame. Should they leapfrog Syracuse? hundred percent. So you know, just keep grinding away here. Uh, Wake Forest just got their butts whipped by Louisville. they were ranked 11th in the country. Should they leapfrog Wake Forest? Yes, they should. And on and on. So that's what you have to hope for if you're an Illinois fan. If you want to get into the discussion, teams are going to have to fall back because there are some really, really great teams up there. I mean, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, TCU, Alabama. These teams are all better, way better than Illinois. But Illinois uh, has done what they have to do, and they look great defensively. So tip of the cap to them. And then there's the St. Louis Blues. What the heck is going on? We're going to take a break, come back. The Blues breakdown is next. Don't forget, college soccer with slew men and women both winning. A 10 tournament for the women. A 10 regular season title for the men. Bill McDermott will be with us at 1045. Travis Ford at 1030. That's next. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX, the home of the Cardinals, the Billikens, and the NFL.
1: There's
2: a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gunner Big fly, Nolan Aranato. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Pelicans
0: win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On
3: America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Well, the Blues have a problem. They have lost four in a row. They're now three and four on the season. They blew a lead yesterday, and this is concerning. They were up three to one in the middle of the second period, three quick goals. A lot of things happening here. They're turning the puck over. You're going to hear Craig Berube talk about it right now. They are not killing penalties like they were. Uh, something is amiss here. Now, he did say in the game against Nashville that he noticed some things offensively that looked better, and they got throttled in that game 6-2. to two. Uh, They did score four goals last night, but that's not nearly enough, and it is zero to do with the fact that defensively they're really having trouble. Uh, the Blues play the Kings tomorrow at Enterprise Center. And I would hope that you're going to have a better team in front of you at that great building because this is an issue. And by the way, you know who the winning goaltender was on the other side? Jake Allen. Made 26 saves last night. First win in St. Louis since being traded to Montreal in 2020. He outplayed Jordan Bennington. The Canadiens outplayed the Blues. Jordan Cairo scored a couple of goals. But otherwise, this was not a good night. For the Blues whatsoever. They lost 7-4 to Montreal. From the Stiefel Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman with you. This is Craig Baruby from St. Louis Blues Productions. Speaking to the media, among those waiting for him, post-dispatch beat
4: writer Jim Thomas.
0: This game was unacceptable. One, do you agree? And two, how do you fix it?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's You know, we got the game in complete control and we let it slip away for sure. Mistakes, um, you know, um, puck play at times, simple plays. They're there and we're just not sharp. You know, how do you fix it? Practice is going to fix it, help fix it for sure. We haven't had much practice time lately with the games, so we need to practice uh, starting tomorrow. And we need we need to be a lot sharper than we are. Greg, it seems like
0: it's happening with a lot of your veteran players. Is that, is that yeah, it?
4: starts with them. starts with the leaders for sure. Um, they got to play better. they got to do a better job. And um, we all do. We got to be all be better. a okay, situation where it's a close game, third period. You know, a goal or two. In this last six games, you've scored eleven to two in the third. Period. Yeah, that- yeah. We addressed it, but it uh, didn't uh, change anything tonight. So, well, like I said, we got to practice. That'll help, and work on things, and um, you know, go from there.
0: You see, like it kind of started. Even- you guys took a 3-1 lead and
4: passed by Letty just kind of out in the, the middle of our plays like that, just
0: plays that maybe you don't necessarily need to make. You, know? you don't
4: need to make them. It's, we got to simplify, it's well, for sure. Just
0: better to maybe hang on to the puck. Well, ball. I could
4: have gone up the wall with it and been out of the zone. We just, you know, we're not simple right now. We complicate things. Um, you know, it was a good first period though, I thought, and um, we just yeah, from then on, it you know, like in the second, got complete control, in my opinion, and we let it slip away.
3: Yeah, the card, the, the Blues are not playing 60 minutes right now. They're playing 30, and that's a real issue. Here's Vladimir Tarasenko, who you heard Thomas say called the game unacceptable. Let's listen in on that. Game
0: control. How, how do you think you'd get away from you guys tonight?
4: I don't see the reason to talk how like we lose the game. It's unacceptable to play like this, and we have some time before next game. We'll figure it out, and uh, we have to play better at home. With too many mistakes right now on the ice. I already said you've seen the game. We can play like this. That's it. I don't see the reason to find you know, any issues right now. Like It's unacceptable and we should fix it.
3: Yeah, he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to break it down for everybody. He just says it's not good. Uh, here's Colton Pareko. Uh,
4: I mean, easy to say the second there when they, they got a couple, couple to tie it up and went up in the second. Um, two quick ones in the third, obviously didn't help. Uh, yeah. You guys are so used to winning around here, and what's it like right now? Just the environment in general, and you guys fall behind like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're we're struggling right now, but uh, a little adversity for for our group. But um, I mean, that's that's what we got to do is we got to fight through it. We got to stick with it, stick together as a group. That's a good thing about our group. Is we're gonna stick together. We're gonna work our work our way through it. Pucks aren't going our way. A couple bounces, things like that. So, um, just get back to simple hockey, blues hockey, getting pucks in deep, things like that. I think we're gonna be fine. It's it's uh, it's gonna be all right. Just uh, work together, stick together, uh, and everything's gonna be good.
3: There is Colton Pareco, who was in a new defensive pairing with Nico Mikula. Uh, Nick Letty paired with Justin Falk, and Tori Krug was with Robert Bortuzzo. So Pareco is right. They've got to stick together and can't let this break them. But they're just going to have to play so much better defensively that, you know, I, I, do, I was concerned about it at the start of the year, the depth beyond these six. But I thought these six would be much better overall than they've been we'll see i mean there's a lot of time they've only played seven games and so far it doesn't look great we'll take a quick break when we come back we'll talk about college basketball with travis ford he's next
0: on kmox
2: there's a high fly ball
0: welcome back to the meyer jensen sports hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: A Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal entry law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the
0: Philippines win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's
2: Sports Voice, KMOX.
3: sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX, the home of the St. Louis Billikens. Bill McDermott will be with us at 10.45, looking forward to catching up with him and talking some soccer right now. We talk basketball with the head coach of the men's basketball team at St. Louis University, Travis Ford, always on sports on a Sunday morning. We always appreciate these moments. Thank you for making yourself available. How are you? No, I'm
5: doing great. Appreciate you having me.
3: No, it's great talking hoops with you. You know that. It's one of my favorite segments of the day. So uh, let's get into it. This basketball team, how has the practice gone since the exhibition game? Just curious what you thought of the win over Umsul and how things worked from that point on.
5: Well, there's always things you got to work on this time of year, and these early exhibition games, scrimmages kind of give you a, you know an idea of the things that uh, you need to work on I, I wasn't pleased with our defense i'm not overall pleased with our defense right now and you know we you know it's an area we've got to continue to get better at i think we have a chance to be really good defensively um but uh, we, you know i didn't like our intensity on defense um against Umsel. Uh, we did some pretty good things offensively, but we've gotten better throughout the week. But that's why you play these games, kind of see where you're
3: at. That's right. Uh, you won the game 81 58 over Umsol, had the lead at half 47 24, and even things up. They even things up with you in the second half as you pulled away for the win. Uh, your defense, we'll, we'll get back to that, but on offense, you, as advertised, had some shooters. I mean, we know Gibson Jimerson can shoot it. Uh, sincere Parker can flat-out shoot it. He knocked down three threes. He had 15 points. as overall, what did you think of his 22 minutes?
5: Yeah, you know, he came in and got hot early, made, I think, his first three or four shots right off the bat, uh, gave our team some great energy off the bench. Those are things we see from him every day in practice. We know he can score. Uh, we're just asking him to defend, and he's really working hard on it every day. He's getting better at it, which is... Uh, exciting, but yeah, he, he gives us a really a big spark off the bench. You know, he would probably be a starter for a lot of teams just to how he can score the basketball. But when you could put him out there with Gibson Jimerson and then when Javante's healthy, you know, I think those are three of the best shooters in the country uh, that you could put around the perimeter with Yuri and Francis or whoever it may be.
3: How is Javante doing coach?
5: He's doing good, doing really good. He's practicing uh, he's not a hundred percent. Uh, he's, and this is an ankle injury, an ankle sprain, uh, that he's been dealing with for a couple of weeks. Uh, he's practicing, still favoring it a little bit, which is not uncommon. Um, but we're hoping, we're hoping he'll be closer to a hundred percent by our first game next Monday. Um, uh, but it's a process. It's going to take some time.
3: Sure, uh, no doubt. It, just like you know, the knee took a long time, but that knee just to reassure people is good, right? And that was not a that was not an easy thing. I mean, that any torn ACL is tough, but that was a pretty severe injury he had, wasn't it?
5: It, it was. No, it was. And you're you're exactly right, Tom. Some some are a little bit tougher than others. This his was pretty tough, and he's worked hard in rehab and. Doctors, trainers, everybody say his knee is a hundred percent. You know, as far as strength and how it's healed. Uh, But to gain the confidence any player needs to come back, it's again, it just takes time uh, and reps to gain that confidence. And then you add into this ankle injury, uh, which didn't help things. But if anything, if there's a silver lining, it gave his knee a little bit of rest after probably. Oh, 10 days to two weeks. He probably got in 10 days of practice is all he got in. Um, But it gave his knee probably a little bit of time to rest after those 10 days. So hopefully he'll come back. uh, And hopefully, we're hoping by mid-December, he's back to uh, his old form.
3: Another one of your stars, Uri Collins, 13 points, seven dimes. And then you have Javon Pickett and Jake Forrester. We talked about them, a couple of newcomers, but they played at a very high level. How did they look? Eight points apiece for them. And actually, Forrester had four assists of his own.
5: Yeah, you know, we know what Yuri's going to do. Yuri's going to lead us on both ends of the court. Uh, going to make everybody around him better. Uh, you know, so he did what, you know, we expected of him. And uh, he's going to get guys in the right spot. Yeah, I thought Jake Forrester's coming along. Uh, I-, I just love his physicality he plays with. Uh, we've got to eliminate few of the cheap fouls that he's getting but I like because he's aggressive I can live with him now we got to start finishing a little bit better in the post finishing inside which I know will come but he gives us a big presence with Francis Okoro inside Javon Pickett uh, has become a good leader for us does a little bit of everything to help you just a little bit of everything and uh you know he's going to play a huge role
3: Wanted to ask about rebounds. Now, you did out-rebound this team 44-29. Your leading rebounder was actually Parker. Uh, He had seven boards. Okoro and Thatch had six apiece. Just from a rebounding standpoint, that's always been one of your uh, hallmarks, really, as this team gets after it on the boards. How do you see it?
5: Well, it's an area we need to get better at um you know last year was one of a few years that we didn't lead the league in rebounding on both ends offensive rebounding and defensive it's something we've challenged our team with uh we still have uh a lot of room for improvement there we've got to get everybody involved first of all we've got to get our big guys rebounding at a higher higher level as we tell our bigs, you know when you're a big guy six eight six nine six ten you know, that's on your resume. Rebounding should be on your resume. That that's something that you can you should be able to count on as a big man. If you're a big man not rebounding, you're probably not doing your job. Doesn't mean everybody else shouldn't chip in and do their part, but we've got to get our bigs rebounding at a at a higher level, and then have everybody else chipping in.
3: You have a team that has a lot of high hopes. There's no doubt about it. You have a team coming in, Murray State, on November 7th, coming off a great year. They've lost some people. Now, we'll we'll talk about them a little bit again next week as long as you're available next Sunday. But I, I do want to note that it's a great opener for you. I mean, it's a great month, period, but that should be a great test for you as well for both sides.
5: It It, it really is. And you know, Tom, the tradition of Murray State basketball is probably – gosh, probably one of the top ten traditions of all of basketball as far as what they do year in and year out for the last 50 to 75 years. Just incredible tradition for Murray State. They ended the season last year ranked 18th in America. So, yeah, this is, as everybody has put out on social media and things, probably one of the top five opening games uh, on opening night on November 7th.
3: I agree with you. Just looking at your schedule as a whole, are you are you happy with how it turned out? Are, are you pleased with your non-conference? you got some big games in there.
5: I don't know if happy is the right <laughs> word or not.
3: <laughs>
5: back, back in June, I was loving it. Uh mm-hmm. thought, wow, this is going to be great. Now you get to this point, point, you're like, whoa, what have I done here? Um, but, no, I, I do. Um, I do think it's a really good schedule. I think it's hopefully right for this team. Uh, we're going to be tested. Every single night, I think out of our 13 non-conference games, I think 10 of the our opponents have either been picked first or second in their league, or they're a power five team. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities in front of us, and that's the way we need to attack this schedule, one game at a time, but there's a lot of opportunities.
3: You are considered, I, I don't like this term, but you're considered a mid-major when the national media talks about you and all that stuff. Uh, that's... It puts a challenge in front of you. You have to load it up uh, in terms of wins, quality, and also take care of your business in conference to get in the NCAA tournament. So this is a two-part question. What do you have to do to get in the field of 68? And are you, I, I mean, I not you don't need to go on the spot, yes or no, but are you thinking about this chatter? Do you hear the chatter about expanding the field? Is that something that you're interested in?
5: First question: um, What do we have to do to get in? And it, uh, it's about as simple. And uh, you got to win, uh, plain and simple. We have a schedule put together, as we just talked about. If we take care of our business, win games, get in our league, take care of business, finish at the top of our league, hopefully win our league, then yeah, I think uh, you know that 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 puts us in great position to get in at large. We've put together a schedule to hopefully help us do that. Um, but you still got to win games, that's the bottom line. You got to win games. We're just, I think, put ourselves in position that we have a lot of opportunities to make some statements because of our schedule. Um, but the other question, uh, there's a lot of talk about expanding the tournament. I think it is headed that way, from my understanding. I am for it. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, you know, especially. Uh, you know, a lot of you, you read on Twitter, a lot of people are not happy about it, but everybody's got their own agenda of why they want to either keep it the way it is or expand it. You'll find that most coaches want to expand it because it's more opportunities for more teams to participate in what's probably the best, you know, tournament in America, March Madness. It's more opportunities for these kids to be a part of it. Um, does it water it down? No, I don't think so. I think you're still going to have the, the great games, the intensity, Uh, of March, but yes, I'm for expanding it.
3: Well, the one thing you could do, and you and I grew up on the field of 64, now 68, not that much more, Um, but the one thing that you could do, if you expanded it is you could just make it harder on that extra group of teams to go. And it will be hard anyway. Um, But it's, I I can see that other side. I mean, I haven't like, you know, pounded my fist about it. I'm listening. I'm a traditionalist, but I'm listening to the other side of it. You, You make the point. I mean, it allows a lot. There are some very worthy programs and fan bases that should know that they're in the hunt.
5: Exactly. Right. And again, I'm with you. I get both sides of it, and it's just opinions. There's no right or wrong, uh, and everybody has their reasonings and their agenda for not wanting it or wanting it. Um, you know, a lot of uh, you know a lot of media are saying, well, coaches want it cause it's gonna help save jobs this and that. There's still gonna be teams left out. nothing mm. that, <laughs> that that think they should be left in. I, I don't buy into that at all. That's not that hasn't, in my opinion, that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with more opportunities. For more of these players who may who who get to play have an opportunity to play in it that have never maybe had an opportunity, and you know there's 365 Division One teams I think somewhere along that line, give or take, uh, to add a so few more teams I do I, I my end just to give more opportunities uh, for teams that have had really opportunity. Uh, and, and these and players deserve the opportunity.
3: Well, I appreciate the time very much. Someone's going to cut the nets down at the end of the year in Houston and be national champion, and Slough absolutely wants to be in that discussion. And right now they are embarking on a journey that starts November 7th at home right here on KMOX against Murray State. We can't wait for it. We love catching up on these Sunday mornings, talking some ball, Coach. We'll see you soon.
5: Always enjoy it, Tom. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. There's Thank,
3: Tra- you. Thank you. Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens. When we come back, another great Billikin. That's Bill McDermott on KMOX. Welcome back, sports on a Sunday morning from the Seafull Sports Studio. Tom Ackerman with you. I know Billiken fans hung on through the short break because Bill McDermott's on the line. Hello, Bill. How are you this morning? Mr. Ackerman, how you doing, Tom? I am doing great. It's great to hear your voice on KMOX. And before we get to Billiken soccer, because I do want to talk about that, and a great honor for you, I want to get your thoughts on Centine Stadium now, City Park, finally getting the lights on and ready to host a match. Wow! I mean, the the fact that that is happening is pretty special, and actually gives you chills. Tom,
2: and a Bundesliga team, no less, coming in to open the venue. We've talked about this stadium before, and not just the stadium, Tom, but in particular, the training facilities on the other side of Market Street. Combined together, this is a world-class venue. As I talked with Lutz Fanensteel after it was first revealed, he said that Is it Bayern Munich? No. Is it Manchester United? No. However, it is right there in line with everybody else in the world. And it's all in one centralized area in a downtown area of your city. Unprecedented in the history of Major League Soccer.
3: November 16th is the date. What can we expect to see that day? High class, top class
0: soccer. Bayern
2: Leverkusen for years. Uh, Lutz has an existing relationship with Bayer Leverkusen as well as some other Bundesliga teams. So consequently, he used that familiarity, he used his existing relationship to get that team to come into St. Louis. Many teams in Major League Soccer open their venues, Tom, with a game against another MLS team. However, when you open your venue against an international opponent, that immediately gives you instantaneous pedigree. So you'll see some top-class international soccer. You'll see the top players from St. Louis City as well as mix with some of the other players from City, too. So this is a magnificent way to begin the dawn of this stadium. And as I've talked about so many times with relation to this team, this new venue... This is not This is not an expansion team. This is a homecoming for soccer in the city of St. Louis.
3: I can't wait to see the fans. I think the atmosphere will certainly grab everyone's attention, but I'm really looking forward to seeing City 2's players. How in the world did they get to the MLS Next Pro final in their first year? That, that just blows my mind.
2: How about that, Tom, in their very first year of competition? And I watched this team when they first started on January 31st until the end of this, their current first season, a dramatically transformed team because on a daily basis, they were with John Hackworth and Bradley Carnell and all the assistant coaches, and they trained together as a solid unit. The culture was the same. The message was the same. And John did indeed have the luxury that he wasn't training some players to possibly go up to the MLS team to play in an MLS game because that doesn't take place until next March. So he had this same group of players who, on a constant day-to-day mission, were in a highly competitive environment. I saw a goodly number of their training sessions, and it doesn't get any more competitive. And what they do at training is exactly what teams do around the world. Pattern play, odd, even players, neutral players in the short sided games. It was a real joy to watch, and it was a real joy to see these players improve literally as individual players and players playing and a unit, from January 31st until this latter part of the year.
3: This is Bill McDermott on KMOX, and for the next five minutes, we're going to discuss St. Louis University soccer, and in particular, your connection with it. Bill, the Billiken Soccer Legacy Center and your legacy of serving Billiken students for 50 years is the reason behind the recognition of naming the press box after you. Uh, SLU feels very highly about this, that that your values match the values of the program, how you've served the students with grace and care, how you've been a servant leader, and you've done so for 50 years, Bill. Congratulations on having the press box named after you.
2: Well, thank you very much, Tom. Uh, It has been a total labor of love with relation to my 50 years with st louis university and in actuality it then began before 1972 uh it began in 1959 the first year of st louis university soccer and the first year of competitive ncaa soccer our grade school coaches at st Philip Neri used to drive us to the home games over at fairgrounds park that's where the billigans played their home games at that particular time and, uh, unsure of just about everything else in my life at that particular time, simply because I was 11. I did however, know I want to play soccer here. It's where all our idols played. It's where we people, uh, the people we played against and with in the schoolyard at St. Folk Mary played. So we knew wholeheartedly we wanted to follow our idols and play there. Uh, Tom, uh, uh Bobby Charlton, the the great soccer English great from Manchester United and their 1966 World Cup winning team said, an average player becomes good, a good player becomes great by imitation of role models in small neighborhood settings. That was the absolute blueprint of our childhood. And that is one of the reasons that St. Louis University soccer was so successful dating back to those early years, and currently remains so as the men's and women's team are both in the postseason A-10 tournament.
3: St. Louis University men's soccer has won more national championships than any team in Division One. Ten of them. Mm-hmm. The last one mm-hmm. in 1973. However, here we are in 2022 and the men's soccer program coming off a great run last year. Now they're A-10 champions again. The women are 10th in the country. I'd have to say that SLU soccer is in very good hands right now.
2: Very much so, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, excuse me. I'm thinking <laughs> of Kevin Kelly here, the head coach for the team who has dramatically turned this team around for the first part of the year. And Katie Shields, time with reference to the women's team, this game that they played over the weekend, just yesterday, when they were playing in the quarterfinals, semis, upcoming Wednesday, playing in the quarters against Loyola, a new team in the A10 a dramatically different team from the first half to the second half. They came out in the second half like the 1999 Women's World Cup team. Had 18 shots to one, all kinds of corner kicks, chance after chance after chance. Loyola, a good team, did not know what hit them. But the absolute key word to both teams now, Tom, is relevance. St. Louis University is backed on the overall relevance scale In the world of intercollegiate soccer and it's due to Kevin Kalish and Katie Shields they have as St. Louis City has built a culture and an environment so also have they done that exactly the same way at St. Louis University.
3: It's great to hear and it's exciting to be part of all that and you know you see the O'Lachlan Family Champion Center Mm -hmm. going up I mean it's across the board. When you have a university that cares about athletics and merges it with academics, the way that SLU does pretty impressive, I, you know, how far can they go? I think it's up to them, but also up to the surrounding community.
2: Positively Tom, And the keywords, the buzzwords for the athletic department instilled by Chris May and furthermore, instilled by president, Dr. Fred Pastello, educate, compete, build community. That is one of the reasons for this school, this Jesuit institution, because that is the mission of the Society of Jesus. And that's why these Jesuit institutions exist. But believe, believe wholeheartedly, athletics and sports are a huge part of this institution. And in particular, the soccer programs, because it gives you national attention. And this tension after that, gives you some international attention as well. All you have to do is look at a guy like Vedad Bisevic, who played one year for the Bills, was a freshman of the year, scores the goal for Bosnia-Herzegovina that gets them into their first World Cup. And then when they get to that first World Cup, Vedad scores Bosnia's first goal. And in every sentence, the commentators say, Vedad Bisevic, who played his intercollegiate soccer, In St. Louis at St. Louis University.
3: I love that. Bill, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Tom. Anytime. Bill McDermott from the Bill McDermott Press Box. Back after the news. This episode is brought
1: to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.